What's up, everyone? This is Jokestrap. This is episode 18. Uh, this is Wes Hoffman. Uh, that was a feral friend with the introduction music. And uh, I am back. It's been uh, three weeks since the last podcast. This is the first one of 2017. It's January 9th. And uh, yeah, I'm back. I took three weeks. Um, I said I might take one, uh, maybe two. And then I was like, eh, I'll take three. So I took three weeks uh, off from doing the podcast, and now I am back. I know a lot of you were patiently waiting by your computers, clicking refresh, going, when is it going to be uploaded? I need more joke strap. Well, it's back. So here I am. <laughs> okay, that's it for today's episode. No, just kidding. Um, so yeah, it's 2017. It's a new year. New you. <laughs> no, not really. Um, yours this is still the same, right? Look at yourself. Um, get over it. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a new year. Um, I mentioned it briefly on the last podcast, like resolutions. I don't really have any. Um, I think I kind of made it the changes I needed to uh, before the new year. Um, any changes I needed to. Um, I think they're all set. Um, so, yeah. But a lot of people, uh, 2016, they were pretty upset about they couldn't wait for it to end uh the celebrity deaths the donald trump getting elected everyone's thinking it's the end of the world um and they were all like f 2016 and um now that it's the start of 2017 um there's already a lot of people that are like ah f 2017 (laughs) so some people you just can't please them um it's just the way it is um but yeah i I uh I mean I understand there was a lot of celebrity deaths in 2016. It sucks. Um uh I mean there's a lot of deaths in general every day and it sucks and uh, that's just part of life and uh or part of not life, I guess. Uh that's awkward. Anyway, um but but yeah, I mean uh I wanted to say 2016 sucked on a personal level. I thought it went rather well. Um uh, maybe because I didn't die. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, there was a lot that happened in 2016. Uh, most notably, um, I started up a new comedy show again, as you know, at O'Malley's. So we got that going every Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to be there again tomorrow night with our headliner, Nina G. Uh, so we've been doing strong since, uh, August 2nd, which was our first show. We did take two weeks off for the holidays there, uh, but we came back last week. Um, and despite the rain that was uh, coming down on uh, Tuesday night last week, we did have a pretty good crowd come out to see the show. Uh, it was headlined by Sammy Meeker, or Sam Meeker, as he's known. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we had a we had a good turnout last week. Uh, hopefully, have another good turnout tomorrow night. Um, January 10th, as Nina G headlines. So it should be another fun night there at O'Malley's. So that's one of the things that uh, was good about 2016 was getting that show started. Uh, not just for uh, myself, but uh, just for other comedians in general. Um, there's not a lot of uh, Tuesday night spots in the South Bay, um, if any, um, to to work out on material. So it was good that I was able to get a Tuesday night, um, a night where there wasn't as much work to be done for comedians. Um, so that, that was fun. Um, and it is still, is still is fun. The staff there's, there is great. Um, they support the show. Um, uh, they support me and, uh, it, 
they just kind of let me go with it. They they know I know what I'm doing, I think. And uh, so they just say, all right, it's all yours from 8 to 10. And I go, sweet, thanks. Uh, one thing is, I mean, it's a sports pub, so um, the TVs remain on. Um, some some people have said it's a bit of a distraction. Uh, one audience member even said that it was um, like a kick in the butt to the performers. Like it's uh, it's kind of saying, you guys don't matter. Um, and you know what? Not really. Um, <laughs> comedians are used to it. Um, we've performed at numerous places with TVs on, and we do get to turn on the volume of the TV and the perf- of the TVs in the performance area, which is good enough, and uh, and that works. And uh, so yeah, um, so that's nice that we get to do that at least, and uh, it's not really a distraction. I mean, comedians work uh, in places like coffee shops with espresso machines and stuff like that, and that's a lot more distracting, I think, than a TV with no volume being on. So, um, I mean, we'd prefer less people chatting it up at the bar area and stuff like that, but it's a sports bar, so, I mean, it's to be expected. And hopefully, if the comedians do an, a well enough job, then people from the bar will, like, mosey on over and check it out. And, I don't know, it's part of the fun. Uh, it's part of the experience. Anyway, it's not like a you know, totally professional show that I'm putting on here. It's like, uh, hey, work out on your material. Let's have some fun. And we do. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m. So you should come check it out. Again, O'Malley Sports Pub. In case you haven't heard this podcast before and heard me mention the show a bazillion times already. Uh, that's where it happens. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that was good in 2016. And um, uh, I... Uh, Actually, at the end of December there, I uh, auditioned in the Burbank uh, Comedy Festival auditions. Um, I auditioned at Rooster Tea Feathers. Um, the festival itself is taking place, I believe, in August 2017. Uh, but for $10, I got to uh, audition at Rooster Tea Feathers. That was on December 21st. Um, now, the guidelines, uh, they kind of gave me in an email, uh, was it's to be a three-minute set. And uh, to be, like, late-night TV-friendly. And I thought, okay, I could do this. Um, And, I mean, three minutes is kind of hard to cut down to, but I was like, all right, I got this. And I came up and I did, uh, like, five jokes. Um, And I didn't swear at all. Uh, I thought it went well. Um, And then the thing is with competitions, I think, with, like, comedians is, like, when we do when we do well and have a good reaction from the crowd, I think we begin to kind of like daydream and fantasize like how how the night's gonna end. Um, and there were a lot of great comedians on the on the slate for that comp- sort of competition, if you will, to uh, move on to the festival. Um, so the audience voted for two, and then the producers they picked four. So six people advanced, and there was like uh, thirty comedians going up that night. Uh, something like that, 25, maybe 30. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, comedians, like, when they do really well in competitions or, like, stuff like this is that or auditions, um, they kind of, like, fantasize, like, oh, oh, if this, they, like, they look at the other comedians and then they start, like, forming in their head who they think is going to advance. Like, they're like, okay, I had a good set. No, 
let me think about who who else had a good set tonight. Okay, they had a good set. They had a good set. Oh, this person brought a lot of friends, so they're probably going to advance. So you start mapping it out in your head, and you're like, oh, okay, I think I have a pretty good shot. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm like the fifth or sixth comedian here, and I can advance. And that's kind of what I was doing <laughs> at the Burbank uh, auditions. Unfortunately, uh, my head screwed with me, and I did not advance. Um, but it was a good experience. Um, surprisingly, though, a lot of people did not uh, really follow the guidelines, even though I guess the guidelines weren't strict. I think most of the comedians ended up like using foul language in their act, their three minutes, and some of them went over three minutes or so. So I, I don't know. And then there was one person who advanced who actually showed up right before he went on stage. Like he got there really late, and that guy advanced. So I I don't know. I thought that was interesting, but hey, that is the way it goes. Um, I could still uh, re-audition again in uh, April um, via online submission, so I will probably give that a shot and see what happens with that. That should be fun. So yeah, um, that's just uh, some of the stuff that happened um, in 2016. It's on to the new year now, um, and uh, if you don't have a calendar, you might want to get one. and uh yeah so uh let's see what else to talk about so um i actually wanted to spend some time uh on the sports side of this podcast here and uh i will do that so um let's see so the san jose sharks um they are uh currently doing pretty well uh they've lost a couple games recently to the los angeles kings they were on a three-game losing streak uh they lost a game to minnesota wild as well which i was at and that game was kind of tough to watch that was on a january 5th against minnesota um the sharks had a 2-0 lead blew that then they had a 4-2 lead and then blew that and then they uh Ended up losing 5-4, to four, so that one was a tough one to take. Uh, I went to the game again on January 7th, and that was against the D- Detroit Red Rings, and that was a much better showing. Um, the Sharks came out, and they uh, won that one 6-3, and it really wasn't even that close. I mean, it the Sharks pretty much dominated that game. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch, um, and so good to see. So hopefully they're getting right back on track. Uh, Timo Meyer is playing on the first line. He's a rookie, and he's uh, really fast. And uh, they're starting to get more speed, which I think is helpful. Uh, currently, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic is out. I don't know for how long. Uh, there was a game, um, I believe it was against the Kings. Um, oh, no, it wasn't against the Kings. It was against Philadelphia, against the Flyers, where uh, Vlasic took a puck uh, to the face and he went down, and it looked pretty bad. And apparently it's not as bad as it, everyone thought it was. However, he did get a couple fractures in his face, so that's not good. You never want to get fractures in your face. I mean, I imagine I've never had fractures in my face, but it just sounds awful. Uh, but he's actually expected back sooner than later, uh, but he's sort of like day-to-day, as they say in the sporting world, game-to-game. So 
hopefully he comes, he comes back soon because he is a big asset for the Sharks' uh, defense. And uh, let's see, uh, we got the the Oakland A's uh, in the baseball world. They're not really making many moves. Um, they're talking about making moves. They're talking about bringing in Mark Trumbo, um, which is fine. Which would be cool. I would be down with it if he uh, got a if he was just a full time designated hitter. Um, and go ahead and line up uh, Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo back to back in the lineup. I would be okay with that. It's like almost the same guy batting back to back. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure what kind of deal Trumbo's expecting to look for. Um, he is a power hitter. Uh, he's very poor defensively, though. So, yeah, I would like to see him at designated hitter if the A's were to sign him. Hopefully he'd be a step above what they got from Billy Butler when they signed him at designated hitter. Um Again, if the A's do, in fact, go after Trumbo. Uh, they did bra- bring back an old face. Uh, they brought back uh, Rajay Davis. <clears throat> uh, so he is the center fielder for 2017, so it appears. So the A's will have an outfield of uh, Rajay Davis in center, Chris Davis in left, and they need to find another Davis to play right field. Okay, probably don't. Uh, right field might be going to Matt Joyce as of now. As of now, uh, but we shall see if that remains. Um, the Oakland A's have their uh, Fan Fest uh, coming up on January 28th, and that's going to be at Jack London Square, so that should be uh, fun. It's actually going to be free to the public. Uh, I don't know if the autographs are going to be free as well, but the event itself will be free, which is different than it has been in the past. Uh, it used to be 5 or $10, and it used to be at the Coliseum. Uh, way back in the day, uh, <laughs> it was at Jacqueline and Square, and whenever they had the event there, it did seem a lot better. So hopefully, um, that'll be the same for uh, this year's Fan Fest on January twenty eighth. Um, with that said, I was going to actually discuss uh, one of my hobbies uh, besides comedy, and that is uh, collecting uh, autographs. Um, so I will talk about that. Um, so I'm a big, uh, like autograph collector, um, especially, uh, with baseball and, uh, and the San Jose Sharks now, uh, just, they're the only team I collect in hockey, but, um, I got, uh, initiated, initiated, I got introduced to collecting autographs, uh, through my, uh, uncle, my uncle Lanny, who uh, collected uh, for years and years, and for a while he had um, every person who appeared in Major League Baseball's autograph, like from 1940s to the present. He had everybody's autograph, which is insane. Um, but he, but he had them all. Um, you name the player, he had their autograph. Um, so yeah, I got introduced into it um from him uh including like writing the players and asking them for their autographs i've had people like ask me like how do you how do you go about getting autographs through the mail and uh so what you or what i do is i'll write a letter to them um i guess that seems obvious um just include like please and thank you uh keep it really short um 
And then you got to include like a self-addressed stamp envelope for them to return the autograph to you. Um, or if you're sending like a baseball, you're going to have to return like a little box for them to re- return the baseball to you. So whatever it is you're sending, keep in mind that you got to include something for them to send it back to you in. So like sending a jersey to someone, uh, that could be pretty expensive in terms of postage, but I guess uh, you might be able to pull it off. Um, yeah, so that's what, I, what I've been doing, and uh, I've been collecting for a long time now. Um, the first ever autograph I got uh, was a West Chamberlain, uh, who was with the Philly, the Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies at the time. And the reason I wrote to him is because we had the same first name. So I figured um, if we had something in common, that'd be a good thing to like say, hey, my name's Wes too. And if that thing in common might like, I don't know, might entice him to sign something more. Um, uh, there's Pat Hinkin with the Blue Jays. I got his autograph. And uh, when I wrote to him, I uh, I said, hey, we have the same birthday. Like I try to find stuff that can relate to them, I guess, to try to like, Say, hey, you know, you and me, we're a lot alike. You make millions of dollars and I don't, but we have the same birthday. Um, I just try to I just try to find something that we have comparable if I can. Um, maybe it's the high school or the college we went to. Uh, Kevin Franzen went to San Jose State, for example. I uh, wore a San Jose State sweatshirt once to a San Jose Giants game when Kevin Franzen was in the San Francisco Giants organization. And he saw my sweatshirt, and he's like, oh, cool sweatshirt, man. And then he ended up signing, like, three baseball cards for me. Who knows if he would have signed three baseball cards otherwise. Uh, he probably would have because Kevin's a cool guy, but uh, who, who knows sometimes. Um, and that's a le- another thing I do is I, I collect a lot of hats. So <laughs> I'm not, like, a fan of every team, obviously. There's some teams I, I despise, which are the ones I won't even buy the hats of. Uh, but sometimes um, when my uncle and I go to uh, Arizona Fall League, which we've done uh, numerous times uh, to go and collect autographs primarily, I would uh, change my hat for like for whatever game we go to and uh, just to try to like convince the players that I'm, I'm like their fan. Uh, so if there was a guy in the White Sox I really wanted, for example, I would change into my White Sox hat. Um I don't do that for major league games, uh, just for the just for minor league and like training games and stuff like that. I'll do that sometimes. Um, I've gotten a few baseball bats that way um, from players. Like if they broke a bat during the game, um, for example, I was at a I was watching the Modesto Nuts, which is the Colorado Rockies affiliate. They were playing in San Jose, which is the Giants affiliate. And I was wearing my a Modesto hat. And uh, Corey Dickerson, uh, who was on Modesto at the time, had cracked his bat. And I had recognized that he had done so during the game. And so then I asked for his bat after the game. And he saw me and he's like, yeah, I'll give it to you. So he gave me the bat. And uh, it's a nice uh, black bat. has his name on it. And then the next day I brought it back to the ballpark. And he, w- he signed it in a silver Sharpie. So it's actually a pretty nice... And uh, I've gotten a few bats like that um, to go with my collection. Uh, but most of the autographs I get or are on uh, uh, baseball cards or uh, index cards. Um, 
players nowadays, they don't generally like to sign the index cards. Uh, my uncle knows this a lot more than I do. Uh, but I don't know. It has something to do with, I guess, there was some rumor that someone like forged a signature once. So they can't sign anything that's blank for whatever reason. So a lot of players nowadays are hesitant to sign the index cards. So if you want to get an index card, uh, it's best to do it early, early in their career if possible because later on they're probably going to say, oh, I was told not to sign these. Um, I've even written to guys while they're in high school, though, and asked them to sign an index card and they wouldn't do it. So I don't even know if that is good advice. Um, but, yeah, it's a fun hobby. Um, some of the better autographs that I have um, – or some of my favorites are Nolan Ryan. I got him to sign a baseball card. Um, that was through the mail. Um, and then I got greedy and tried to write to him in the mail again. And I didn't get it. Uh, it was an auto pin uh, is what I got back. So, I mean, it was like a signed photo, but not real, basically. Um, I uh, got Clayton Kershaw through the mail on a baseball card. Um, so that was a, a nice one to get. Um, Vladimir Guerrero I've gotten through the mail, um, Nomar Garcia Parra, um, yeah, just trying to think of some of the better known names that I've gotten through the mail, and, um, those are the ones that come to the top of my head, um, Zach Britton, um, Jake Arrieta, I got them both through the mail, um, yeah, so in Arietta I got way before he played with the Cubs. I got him when he was like a rookie with the Orioles. So uh, that's the thing. If you follow them um, and you know that they're supposed to be good, it's probably good to write to them right away. Uh, I've written, like, I've ri- I wrote to Mike Trout. I actually got Mike Trout through the mail. Um, he didn't sign what I sent him, but he sent me something else, and it is signed. So that's because uh, I wrote to him early on in his career. Uh, I'm sure if I wrote to him now, he would never reply because I'm sure he's swamped with so much mail. Um, I've heard that um, relief pitchers um, don't don't receive as much mail uh, when it comes to baseball. So if there's a relief pitcher you really like um, and that that's not the closer, like a middle reliever, uh, there might be a better chance that you get their autograph um, if you write to them just because they just don't get as much fan mail as the rest of the team. Um, and that's something I learned from an actual middle reliever, uh, uh, Evan Scribner, my, uh, uncle Lanny and I, we, uh, were able to have uh, lunch with him one time when the Sacramento river cats were putting on a, a lunch with the players type, type get together thing for their season ticket holders. And my uncle had season tickets. So one time we got to have lunch with Evan Scribner and that was one of the things he mentioned to us is like, uh, uh, relievers, we don't get much fan mail. So. I remember that. Um, so anytime there's a reliever, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll write to him because they don't get mail. That's what Evan told me. That's what I say in my letters. I go, Evan told me you guys don't get mail. So write back. No, I don't say that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it is a fun hobby. Um, there are lists out there that people compile um, saying uh, like who signs the most and who who doesn't sign the most. Uh, Tom Glavin, for example, he's known to sign a lot uh, through the mail, so if you wanted a guy like him, uh, you could go for it. Um, I usually 
don't really look at the list of who signs and who doesn't. I just kind of write to who I want to. Um, the best time, though, I think to write to people um, is during spring training and write to them in care of the spring training uh, complex address, which you can find online. You can find those addresses online or through a Baseball America directory, uh, directory, directory book. Um, that's always good. Uh, so, so yeah, um, if you have any, uh, questions about this, about collecting autographs, uh, feel free to ask me, uh, be happy to help you. Um, I have a buddy that actually, um, uh, got into collecting autographs more after we met and he would actually go on Twitter and tweet players (laughs) asking them if they would sign through the mail. And he's actually had some players write back, oh yeah, go ahead and, you know, send me something, I'll sign it. Um, I haven't gone that far as going on Twitter asking if they'll sign before I write to them. Um, I did have a major league player um, call me once, though, Um, (laughs) like at my house. Um, I was really young when this happened. I had, there's there's publications um, put out uh, every couple years that uh, provide... uh, Baseball players who appeared in the major league uh, have appeared in the major leagues provides their uh, home addresses, and this is solely for autograph collectors. These books, it's not for stalkers or anything like that. Um, we we'll never do that. But um, so I wrote a letter to this guy, Greg McMichael, and um, he was on the Atlanta Braves at the time, and also a relief pitcher. So um, I uh, I wrote to him, and then uh, I was at home. Uh, hanging out with a buddy of mine, and all of a sudden, uh, my mom's like, "Oh, it's the f- the phone call for you." And I was like, "Who the heck's calling me?" So um, I went to go answer the phone, and he's like, "Hey, Wes, uh, this is Greg McMichael." And I was like, "Yeah, right." I was thinking it was like one of my buddies playing a trick on me, and I realized that the only buddy that would be playing a trick on me was already over at my house. So I was like, "Oh, it is Greg McMichael." Uh, he just wanted to know, like, how I got his address. I guess he wasn't familiar with the book, you know, because um, he was a reliever and doesn't get much mail. No, <laughs> but it, w- it was kind of cool. Um, he ended up signing the stuff I sent him, and on one of the cards, he actually put good talking to on the phone, uh, which was kind of neat. So, um, so yeah, uh, there was that. That's probably the one of the cooler experiences I've had as far as uh, collecting autographs is having a player actually call me at my house um instead of coming to my house and attacking me that's i mean it's a lot better uh but but yeah that's uh it, it's a fun hobby um and again if anybody has any questions on collecting i'd be happy to help if i can um as far as hockey goes um i've written to some of the sharks through the mail um and had success. I got Pavelski through the mail, uh, Tommy Wingles, Logan Couture. Uh, they've all responded. Um, I just write to them in care of the San Jose Sharks uh, arena, um, the SAP arena. I just write to them in care of that address. So during the season is when you want to write to them. Um, and then uh, also the Sharks have uh, public practices that they provide on their um, website. Not their actual website, but like the Sharks Ice website. Um, and if you hang out at the practices, you could sometimes get autographs after they're done. Um, if you know where to go. Uh, so, 
if you have questions about that, you can ask me too. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's uh, going to be it for this podcast. I just wanted to discuss that um, and uh, go over that bit of information I had to share with people in the, who are sports fans uh, who might be interested in autograph collecting like I am. Um, coming up, uh, comedy show-wise, uh, again, tomorrow is O'Malley's. Um, that's going to be fun. <laughs> Nina G is headlining. Uh, check that out. And um, it's going to be a great show. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, got some other great shows coming up on the way, too. Uh, February 8th in San Jose at the San Jose Improv. I'm going to be part of a comedy competition where I will be, once again, fantasizing about advancing and probably not. Um, so I have a free guest list for that show though. Um, so if anybody is interested in coming out to that show, please let me know. Uh, we'll, I'll get you in for free, assuming you show up in time. Um, seating will be first come first serve for that show, February 8th. Uh, January 25th, I'll be at Rooster Tea Feathers again. Um, but all the details for upcoming shows, uh, you can find them out at com. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Um, anyway, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great, uh, 2017, uh, doing whatever it is you do. Uh, remember, uh, don't drink and drive and I don't know what else to say. All right. So until next week, uh, thank you all and, uh, see you later. Bye.